Welcome to the session. There was once an individual who said, there's peer pressure, but there's also peer priority. Gee, where have I heard that before? (laughs) Where faith and life connect. I think I just heard a whole bunch of people yell amen. (laughs) Yeah, hallelujah. I hope so. A time to explore issues facing the family today. Marriage is about what can I look at inside of me and take care of in me to offer to my spouse a better me. And where it's okay to laugh a little. It is so good to hear you say that. To hear someone else preach that message. It is. Well, again, for years I've heard you preach it. (laughs) It's finally soaking in. (laughs) Yes, the celebration of success. Welcome to the session on Rise FM. And we're here to connect faith with life. This is the session on Rise FM. I am Scott here with Tom from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. And today we're going to meddle with your kids. Yes, we are. <laughs> Hello. Caught you off guard there a little bit. Are you awake today? Uh, so far. <laughs> You would think I got my laps in at a good workout. There you go. We're going to talk about five ways to maintain a relationship with a child who has left the faith. And we see this, you probably see it in your church. I know I've seen it in mine. Right. Where you have, you know, you have the wayward kid. You've got the kid that says, you know what, I'm old enough now. Let's just walk away. I'm going to go do my thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you instantly think back to uh, the story in, in Scripture of the wayward child right and how that how that all worked out and you know you just pray your kid doesn't go through the same thing right uh, and thank you for your comments about the session i know tom has been getting a lot of feedback about things we're talking about and yep. what we're talking about and we've gotten a couple of suggestions for future shows so we're going to take a look at those and see how we can make them work and you are more than welcome to suggest a show Right. Uh, just just reach out to me, Scott, at risefmohio.com. Uh, yeah, we'll be glad to think about doing what you want because really we'd like the show to be an encouragement to you and your family and your walk with God. That's true. Yeah. All right, so let's dive in today first to God's Word, Tom. Paul writes in Romans eight thirty eight and 39, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor de- uh, demons, neither the present nor the future— nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, nothing can separate us. Nothing can take us out of the palm of his hand. And so once they have come to know Christ, when they start to drift like that, doesn't mean that they still don't know him. Now let's turn to some Barna research as we get going today. Their research showed three out of every five young Christians yeah, 59% disconnect either permanently or for an extended period of time from church life after the age of 15. Your reaction to that? It's just really sad. And and it's true that we're talking about what is going on there. And I have said all along there's peer pressure, but there's also peer priority. Right. And I really think that their peers are a priority in their decision making about church. I saw this as a youth director. The age 15 is significant because mm-hmm. that's when they get their license. Yeah. And that's what I saw with youth groups around around my area at the time. When they got their license, that's when I'd lose them. If mm-hmm. I was going to lose them, that's when I lost them, the minute they got their licenses. And, you know, there's no doubt this is hard on a family. It's hard on a parent-child relationship. Right, right. And that's what we're going to kind of talk about today is how we can – 
maintain that relationship as parents with that child, even though they now say they don't agree with, like, or believe what you believe? When we talk about adolescence, that teen life is a period in their lives when they begin to identify who and what they are. They gain their own power in their own lives. And that's one area where they're going to try to grab for power is in the decision-making that goes around youth group, around church. There's a number of churches, I think, doing a really excellent job of providing fun, exciting teen activities and experiences that people want to hang out at. Right. And and I'm going to get to that in a second with your with our first rabbit trail. Oh, good. I'm going to get that in a second. Right. I wanted to share something. The first time I read that Barner research, my first takeaway, actually, parents, is a bit of an encouragement for you. You're not alone. Yes. It's real easy to think that I am the only one this has ever happened to. Right. Because... We always walk in with our church smiles on on Sunday, and nobody ever knows what we're going through. Yeah. You are not alone. There are probably other families in your church dealing with the very same thing. Now, we don't know the fights that go on Sunday mornings. Uh, All right, uh, yeah, rabbit right. trail time. Uh, there we go. All right, so you've been in this church your child's entire life. They've gone through the children's program. You survived junior high. Now they're 15. They've got their license, and they say, Mom, Dad, I want to go to that church over there. I like their youth group more. And right. Maybe it's a bigger youth group. Maybe their friends go there. Maybe their girlfriend or boyfriend goes right. there. Uh-huh. How should we handle that as parents? Well, you know, Scott, one of the big things I think is really important is we want to teach an ownership and give ownership to our children. Uh, I was telling a, a client uh, yesterday that, Parenting is about the transition and the giving of ownership from the time they may be in early middle school, uh, late elementary, on through the time they graduate from high school and they leave. It's a transition of the ownership in their life to them. And so when they're making good choices, hey, they're still in the Lord. They're still, they might like the youth pastor at that other church. When you take that ownership from them and they can't go, then they're going to grab for whatever power they can. Oh, yeah, I'll show you. Yeah, I'll show you how I can do that. So, you know, I, I know that with Kathy and I, there were times when our children didn't go to our youth group. They went to a different one. And, and we said, you know, praise the Lord, at least they're fellowshipping. At least they're, they're expressing their own need and desire inside the church community and with their own Christianity. So, yeah, we were okay with it. Yeah. And a lot of this goes back to that early relationship you have with them in junior high and in elementary school where you teach them, you model the life for them, and then you start to turn them loose as they mature. You give them little extra pieces of power over their life. Then the key to that is that you know, you're able to rein them in when you have to. But hopefully you're going to be able to celebrate the successes when they take that power you've given them and they succeed with it. That's right. And so here's another word we've talked about before, and it's an appropriate word here, the word responsibility. I thought you were going to bring that up. <laughs> we that, so that was spinning so... around back here. I had a hunch you might bring I, I it up. I could see it from over here, <laughs> Scott. That's why. Well, there was a little bit of smoke coming out of my you know. <laughs> Right. And we look at it and break it down, as we've done before, in a, a young person's ability to respond. 
Well, when they hit 15 and then 16 and they've got their license and they're beginning to expand their own territory, well, here is their ability to respond to, are you fellowshipping? The parents can have that expectation and their ability to respond to that. They might have a choice. They're driving. They can go to church B when we go to church A. Okay, but are they being responsible about it? Right. And that's one of the ways that parents can, pardon the expression, hold the car keys over their head. You want to drive? Great. Your ability to respond will show us. And then you can either continue driving or, (laughs) come on, the back seat's still here. All right, so we're going to talk about five ways to help when your child has left the faith. It's an article from Michelle S. Lazurek. The first one to me, Tom, is the captain obvious thing for us as believers, and that's to pray for them. That's right. You hear so many people say, yeah, the only thing we can do is pray. What? Oh, 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 wait a minute. The only thing we can do is pray. And that's the best thing we probably could do anyway. Right. Yeah, and so prayer is perhaps the best weapon you have in bringing restoration to a broken relationship. And congratulations, parents. When you became parents, you also became prayer warriors for your children, or should have. You know, that was one of the hardest things for me with Erin. Really? When she decided we were too stupid to breathe without her help, (laughs) right? and she went and did her own thing, right? which led to our granddaughter. I had a real struggle at times praying for her because I was still so angry. Okay. At the guy, mostly. I spent several sleepless nights trying to figure out where to hide the body so nobody would ever find it. <laughs> Did that quite a bit early on. I It took some getting over mm-hmm. to get to the point where I could pray for her and even pray for him. Right. And maybe you were praying for the wrong person. Um, well, that could be. I have a hunch my wife was taking care of that in my be- on my behalf. <laughs> because she knew. Right. She knew. Yeah, that had to be difficult. Now, this next point here under pray for them, Tom, can be a difficult one to swallow for some parents. Although God's will is that no one should perish, he never forces it on anyone. The pain of free will is that people are free to make their own choices, that we can make our own choices. And he gave us that. Well, you know, the free will is in the midst of the spiritual warfare that goes on in our minds. Between the enemy and our God, our God has said it, and the enemy tries to deceive us and to create doubt. How many times did he try to get Jesus to doubt and turn from God? And, you know, you can jump off of this roof. Do I remember that right? Yeah, he was on on the peak of the temple, and he's, jump off. The word says angels will catch you. You know, you won't even be able to stub your toe on a rock because some angel's going to take care of that for you. That's a Scotty's version. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Five ways to help when your child has left the faith when they've walked away. First is pray for them. The second thing is to affirm them. Right. Okay. What's that mean? Well, and so when we talk about affirming them, Scott, while you may not like their choices, they are still your child. You still brought them into this world. And parents, the good news is... You can take them out. <laughs> <laughs> and make another one look just like them. <laughs> yeah, no, right. that's not. That's no, true. no, no, we're, we're no, just no, kidding no, there. no. You're right. Okay, so yeah. for me, Tom, this is something with my cousin. My cousin decided she was gay, and she found someone else to hang with and wanted to have what in Michigan at the time they called a civil union. Yeah. We were invited. 
my wife and I had an extended discussion. <laughs> Should we go? Because we don't want to endorse the behavior. But at the same time, I wanted her to know that I loved her. Right. And that we were still there, that we mm-hmm. were not ostracizing her, and that we still cared. So we went. And I think my aunt was pleased Yeah, that we were there. Um, and, and I think we were the only members of the family that right. were there. And I think that was hard, but affirm without approving would that be right. a way to say that yeah so we affirm the person we love the person we don't necessarily have to like their behavior and it reminds me of a tool that i taught i teach at uh, heritage separating the sin from the sinner right and so if we do that it's, uh, some people have said it's like you take that behavior that was sin and you set it out on the table and you look at it and you talk about the behavior, not the person who did the behavior. It empowers you then to extend grace and mercy. Well, you know, it's about love anyway. And do you think we have to qualify for God to love us? Nope. Right. Yeah, oh, I'm so, so sorry this week, Scott. You were only <laughs> yeah. two demerits from being loved. I don't think that's got God's plan at all. No. So we talk about affirming them in another way, and it's one of our favorite ways to talk about and it. we get it in today. Yes, we celebrate. celebrate. Yes, their accomplishments and successes. We help them understand your love is not predicated on what they do, but that you love simply them for who they are. And... When we celebrate, remember that there are eight top emotional needs that are met. So it's a very powerful thing. That it, not only is it powerful when you receive it, but it, what's it do to the relationship between the giver of the celebration and the receiver of the celebration? That sounds like a great article. Well, that'd be something you ought to, you ought to write that up or something. <laughs> <laughs> So we're talking about how to how to keep or maintain a relationship with a child who has kind of walked away from their faith. First thing, pray for them. Second thing, affirm them. The third thing, okay, now this may be the, the complete meddling now. <laughs> Understand them. And that might be a pretty high expectation, too. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> So how do we go about this concept of understanding time? Well, instead of lecturing them or dispensing advice, have a heart-to-heart with them. Take them to their favorite restaurant or coffee shop and seek to simply listen. Practice active listening by not only hearing them but understanding them. It reminds me of James 1.19, Scott, that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. If our teenagers felt like that's what they would happen if they came to their mom and dad, it would more likely happen. The whole lecturing thing, I think it was Gary Smalley that said, when you lecture a person, it's about like they feel like if you took a, a drill with a big drill bit on it and just drill it right in their stomach, right in their gut, it just doesn't do a whole lot for anybody. You lecture a teenager, what's the teenager do? They shut down. Yeah, and they tune out. Yeah. Their minds on their favorite baseball game they were got to play in and, and have a good time in or you know, their favorite song. Or their date Friday night. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, there absolutely. We go. All right. So now that we've prayed for them, affirmed them, we understand them. Now we set the example mm-hmm. as we keep looking for these ways to maintain a relationship with our kids when they've kind of walked away from their faith. I think this is huge. And this is a great example, Scott, of where we can be too close to the forest to see the trees. I like that. Yeah. Did we ever talk about the reality of that? No, I don't think we have. You know, I I heard that growing up for years, but I finally got to experience it when Kathy and I went out to San Francisco to visit our son, and we went to Muir Woods. I believe it was a national park, and they had sycamore trees in that forest that were so big that the studio, the trunk of a, of one of those trees would likely barely fit in it, just the trunk of it. They were so tall. If you tried to look around that, is all you would see is the trunk of another great big When you want to <laughs> look up to see it, well, these things are 200 feet tall. You literally could not see the forest. And I thought, that's why they have that saying. It's very real. You can't. <laughs> So don't stop living out your beliefs because they don't want anything to do with your faith. Keep living with your faith as the main focus and center of your life. And you stop and think about a role model in your life, somebody who set the example. And and how do you feel when you think about that person? You feel good about them. You know, I think about my mom's dad, my grandpa, my mom's two brothers, Uncle David and Uncle Phil, and they motivated me to want to be more like them. That's the whole idea behind it. So when you're doing that, you're also providing a safe haven and a shelter and motivation for our teens to focus on a different priority. They like their role model. I think that's huge. That that goes back to that pure priority thing. Yeah. You, you make sure that the life of faith remains a priority yeah. in their life. By exa- example. And, yeah, and by, by example. I mean, it's more, you know, instead of their peers dragging them away, they're dragging their peers to youth group. There, yeah. You know, that's, that's something I know every youth director, every teacher of a teenager advocates that and encourages uh-huh. that because they know. Uh-huh. That time is going to come in a teenager's life when they're they're going to be challenged for, do you really believe that? Right. And it's going to come in the next door neighbor or somebody in, in school, you know, and sometimes maybe that's why parents put their kids in Christian school. But can I tell you, parents, those challenges happen here too at, at MCS? That's for sure. You know? Yep. They and, do. and, okay, rabbit hole number two. Good. Is it okay for our teenagers to challenge our faith? To be able to ask the hard questions of, why do you believe that? Yeah. I'm not sure I do. Well, I think if we manage it well, it's very good, because maybe then it becomes a research project or a discussion that becomes really powerful. And believe it or not, it is possible that our teens may not agree with us, and they might actually, to a degree, scare us with, well, I don't agree with that, and I think this. Well, okay, now what do you do? Now you crack open God's Word and you find out. Yeah, and so that should be the standard. It should be the guiding light. It should be the light in the darkness. Absolutely. You know, we did that here. Mm -hmm. I I had a class several years ago now, 
And somebody walked in and just said something one day. Uh huh. How can God do this? Or does, you know, God hates this. Yeah. Okay. I went in and grabbed my Bible. I flopped it on the table and I said, prove that to me with that. And then I got the deer in the headlights look because there was no justification <laughs> for it. And we didn't have class that day. We had a small Bible study and we just talked through it. Well, in a teachable moment. It, I hope it was. Yeah, sure. I don't know like if it, it was, but it, we, I tried. Yeah. So the other part of setting an example, Tom, I love this. First Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Yeah. But <laughs> do this with gentleness and respect. Well, yeah. 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 And how huge that is. Believe it or not, when we break communication down, now, Scott, this will sound a lot like a counselor. Uh-huh. Maybe because... Maybe. Yeah. I think we know why. <laughs> yeah. That when we talk about the gentleness and the respect, if we look at, at a pie chart and broke communication down, only 7% of it are the actual words. 38% of it is tone and attitude. We have talked about that before. Uh, we have. We have. Yeah. And so when we look at attitude, I like to break it down into two parts. It's what a person is thinking and feeling. You put it together, you have their attitude. And then the nonverbal communication, the rolling of the eyes or the you know, the smirk on their face, like, where did you come up with that? <laughs> where are you getting that, old man? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So right then and there, that can trigger a power struggle it can also cause a head-on collision on the communication highway that you don't want. And so that's why your response of how you respond becomes really important. You don't want to condition your teen to think, if I go to mom or dad, that it's not going to turn out well, so not going to do it. When those questions come up, you the, the, the correct response is not... You can't go to church A because they don't believe what church B believes. Right. You will continue going with us. Yeah. That That's, um, no. Right, right. <laughs> this is the first thing that kid's going to do is bolt to church A. All right, we've made it to number five, Tom. That's right. All so, right, number five. Let's welcome them. What a great idea. Oh, boy, radical concept. <laughs> In the parable of the lost son, the father doesn't chase after his prodigal son. He lets him go off to live his life as he wants to on his his own terms, despite knowing what was best, he let his son come to that conclusion and return to him when he wanted. I've been giving the prodigal son a lot of thought. If you read it in Scripture, if I'm remembering correctly, the prodigal son had just hung out with the pigs and ate the yep. pig what Ate food, the slop. And then came running toward dad. Or dad came running to him. I was going to say, he was walking toward dad, and dad ran to him. That's right. Yeah. And keep in mind, you know what a pigsty literally smells like. And here's dad <laughs> running right toward that and embraces him anyway. I mean, you would think he would get within six feet of him and pass out because... <laughs> you instantly think of Pigpen from the Charlie Brown cartoons. I, yeah. Yeah, that little cloud of whatever. And so I think symbolically today, it could be looked at is what was that stink that our children would have? Maybe it's about having mercy because they made a bad decision 
and were in trouble with the law. Maybe it was because they did something that was unthinkable, but in the same way the prodigal son's father embraced him in the middle of the stink. All right, so there you have it. The five ways to maintain a relationship with a child who has left the faith. So that leaves us with a simple thought that parents, maybe you're living this right now. Remember, if you came in in the middle, you can always go to the podcast network at risefmohio.com and, and listen to the entire episode. But it may be that you're at a point where the gulf has become too wide between you and your teenager. And maybe the best way to bring them together is to sit down and have a conversation with a Christian counselor. Tom, how can I get with you to start that conversation? I can be reached at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. Thank you for joining us for this session. You can listen to previous episodes on the podcast network at risefmohio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more about Tom Russell at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. 